it made Old Hank made it here We're all sure that you will But I don't think Hank done it this way So welcome back to Yeah, Uh-Huh with Lisa, Aaron, and Phil. And we're rejoined by TJ2 of the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast to discuss the second album in our Outlaw Country uh, episode. When last we spoke of Outlaw Country, the phrase attempted murder was bandied about. Please continue. All right, so uh, Honky Tonk Heroes. <clears throat> so this album, uh, you know, TJ talked about it on his series, uh, devoted a whole episode on it in which we actually guessed it, and that was fantastic. You know, it's like hitting a big time, you know, like getting on the yeah, big Thanks leads. for having us again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. No, thanks for coming. That was, a, that, was a, that was a super fun episode. Yeah, made us feel at home. Uh, everything that went on there so um, the, the, it was it was a uh, it was rife with uh slap nuttery yes that's <laughs> what you did with us <laughs> it had to be because the, the story you were telling about these two texans man oh my god billy yeah. joe shaver is just like you know Nuts. a nut and whalen is right behind him you know but no matter what whalen does it seems like He's, uh, you know, he's so likable. There's just something about him. People just love it. They love to hear his voice, you know, to Deuce of Hazard. I feel like he kind of established that in pop culture. Yeah. He narrated that as well, didn't he? As well yeah. as the theme song. He did the theme song and he narrated yeah. it. Yeah, he did. He was the he was the balladeer was the name of his character. Yeah, right, he only appeared balladeer. on screen once in the whole series. Yeah, I didn't even know he did I once. didn't even realize he appeared on screen. He, he appeared on screen once, I believe, as himself. Uh, stopping by the boar's nest for a beer or, or he was playing there or something. I, I do. He was, he was on the show one time outside his balladeer role. Uh, how you reckon Bo and Luke going to get out of this? Yeah. One? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, you know, long, uh, uh, Waylon, you know, he was, he was not uh, doing great at the time of this album. I don't think. Right. I mean, he was kind of, uh, doing the Nashville thing for a while, not real comfortable with that. He wanted to get out of Nashville. He felt like it was ruining him creatively a little bit. And But he would do uh, big shows. I think that... He, had been uh, very close to, he was very close to quitting music entirely. Yeah. Yeah. He was. So sort of down and out. Um, I do think he did some big shows. He was, uh, well, he was sick, for starters. He, he, he got sick, for one thing, and that kind of gave him time to... Uh, kind of take stock of things and he you know he was looking and he's getting further he was hugely in debt um and was falling further and further into it he he wasn't getting to do me to do the music the way he wanted to and rca was coming at him with a, a low ball offer to re-up and he, he told him no thank you and he was he was he was pretty much set to quit and then um his drummer richie albright said you know there's there's this, this guy i want you to meet first before you make a decision like that. Listen, I want you to meet this one guy. You're not going to told him up front. You're not going to like to do, but you need to listen to him. And that, that was Neil Reshin who would go on to manage him for about 10 years or so. And Neil went into a meeting with, with Waylon and Jerry, uh, Jerry Bradley and, um, 
Ted Atkins from RCA and he slaughtered him. He made demands that like uh, that no country artist had ever got, and he he won every every concession that he that he fought for, including the one Waylon really wanted, which was Creative Control. And Honky Talk Heroes was the second album after he got that. Mm-hmm. I think um, what I've read, and I could have this totally wrong, but I did read that Waylon actually did a concert with the Dead. The Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead opened for them in Oakland, and they played for three and a half hours. And there was a rainstorm at the end, and uh, Waylon joked with uh, Garcia, I guess, or members of the band, that they played so long that they brought the rain. And so, but what I read, and I could have my stories crossed here, but I read that uh, Billy Joe Shaver was at that show, and that kind of got the seed of the thought in his mind. To approach Whalen with his music. Of course, that came later, and you d- detailed that in your series. Um, but I thought that was notable because Aaron is such a deadhead. He might be able to correct me because he knows events and all that stuff. I just, I just, I think they did was just one show, maybe two shows. And um, yeah, the dead responded to him, well, you know, you can make it play, play long enough to make it stop. Okay. That completes the uh, quote there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, Aaron. Aaron had actually uh, sent me uh, a story um, a couple of weeks ago, and it, I think they they did they played two shows together. There was one yeah. around the time we're talking about in, in somewhere in California, and then again in 1978, The Dead opened for Waylon. Waylon opened for them in California, and then four years later, they opened for He and Willie. And I okay. think in both instances, The Dead played for about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. It's just, just a standard dead show. Yeah, but they, they probably I think the possible. second the second of those was at was at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, maybe, and it, there was like a, there was like eighty thousand people there. So, well, if Shaver was not in the audience, he was still hot on the trail of Whalen. And you know, you, if you listen to the series, we won't spoil that because that's such a fantastic story that TJ told. But they did get together and they wrote this amazing outlaw country record, even though at the outset they didn't necessarily like the this, the connotations of that. I think Waylon uh, blamed that for some of the legal troubles he'd come into later that he was identified as an outlaw. And really, I don't know how much time he ever spent in even like overnight in jail or anything. But but these albums that uh, I mean, Shaver was like a hillbilly poet in his own description for sure his ability to put words together and it's so go ahead tj no i was just going to say you know it's it's so amazing that you look at you know hank williams who i i I don't think finished about you know about sixth grade and he's regarded as one of the greatest country songwriters ever and you just read those you you read the the just read the lyrics he wrote and they're, they're poetic and you just think man this guy didn't finish sixth grade and then you look at billy joe shaver the guy dropped out of school after eighth grade. Same thing, uh, which 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 lends to me the idea that this is this is either a gift you have or you don't. Exactly. Uh, no, obviously, obviously there are some very well educated people who were great songwriters. Chris Christopherson was a Rhodes Scholar, <laughs> just as an example, and was a fantastic is a fantastic songwriter. Um, but you know, Shaver dropped out of school after eighth grade. Roughneck worked in the sawmill where he lost most of three fingers um 
I think he joined the Navy for a little while. They kicked him out because he punched an officer in the face. <laughs> kind of Thanks, bounced man. around, and then he he uh, ended up and and it's it's there are about five five to ten different versions I read about how he and Waylon met. The one I told in the podcast was just the one I liked the best because <laughs> it involved yeah. him, you know, getting fried on LSD in the desert, bit by a brown recluse, and uh, <laughs> thinking he was Jesus Christ and trying to heal people. And <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> definitely the best story that would be about my brother. <laughs> yeah, you get the feeling that. This guy and uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis would have been good buddies too, but but he but but, but the end result is Waylon Waylon ends up hearing one of his songs. He really likes it. They end up you know, he ends up bringing a, a, a bunch of the songs to to Waylon in Nashville, and there's a little standoff where they, they threaten to kick each other's ass or whatever. But then Waylon listens to him play a couple, and he's just he just he he was just mm-hmm. musically just smitten, and he's like I. I I have to. This is what I have to do an entire album of this guy's songs. But it wasn't immediate, right? I mean, he might have been wasted mm-hmm. or something that night on coke or something like that. It's like I'm sure he's sincere, but it was like at some point it kind of. And then uh, yeah, Waylon avoided him for months in in Nashville, yeah. and finally a DJ helped track him down at a studio. Yeah, uh, Captain and, Midnight. Uh, I think he, yeah, Captain Midnight, and Waylon like offered him a hundred dollars to go away, and he's he wouldn't leave until he'd listened to at least one or two more songs. Right. I think the deal was uh, if I don't like the song, you got to leave. If I like it, you can play another one. Yeah. That was it. And so yep. he played like three, four songs and he's like, okay, I got to do a whole album of these. Right. So that's a good threadbare, except for TJ or TJ's co- uh, color there. The good threadbare kind of a description of how they got together. So why don't we allow uh, the members of the panel here go over their impressions of the album? And I guess maybe let's start with Aaron this time, I guess. All right. Um, see, uh, this one starts out with the title track, uh, Honky Tonk Heroes. Where does it go? The good Lord only knows. Seems like it was just the other day. I was down at Green Gables. Hawking them tables and generally blowing all my hard-earned pay. And the beginning, the vocals give me kind of Leon Redbone vibes. And then about, I don't know, a minute 20 or so, the drums kick in and there's more instruments and it's like almost a different song. Um, it jams out from that point. Um, old five and dimers like me, There's that's got the pedal steel at the beginning and sort of a droning croon with a slow tempo. It's kind of your your basic woe is me kind of country song. Um, Willie the Wandering Gypsy and Me, that's the first song that uh, Billy Joe Shaver played for him. And that's, when, or that's when he said, you have any more of those old cowboy songs? I like this one, but why are there no drums? That's <laughs> I keep going back to no drums on this one. Uh, low Down Freedom. Sleeping quiet never knowing by tomorrow she'll be one more thing i'm gonna leave behind now this one slowly adds instruments as the song goes on there's there's a weird vocal flub right before two minutes about 155 i think he's supposed to say top and he says stop Mm. i just don't know why he wouldn't have fixed that and there's not a and it's 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 a it's an incomplete edit yeah Yeah. omaha Mind. Guess I never really 
sounds a lot like City of New Orleans by Arlo Guthrie, but and the outro really jams. You ask me to jams too. Ride me down easy. That one's got the really cool harmonica fills, <clears throat> kind of a gospel esque chorus. Um, musically uncomplicated, but with really rich bass notes at the end. Maybe that's a cello. Ain't no God in Mexico. That one uh, really reminds me of Jerry Reed. <laughs> it's uh, it's probably the best music on the album. That intro guitar lick kind of reminds me too of Black Betty, Ram a Lamb, the Lead Belly song. Uh, Black Rose, it's got some of the best guitar on the album. It's uh, sort of Jim Croce vibes. Uh, we Had It All as the crooner with big string arrangements. There were eight rhythm guitarists credited on the album, including Waylon, plus three electric guitarists, one steel guitarist, six violin players, two cellists, and a viola. So the, there are a lot of strings on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's all my notes. Well, well played. I guess we'll save the best for last, and I'll go ahead now and leave TJ to the cleanup. Uh, Honky Tonk Heroes, I love kind of the sleepy way that it starts. You know, it's kind of got a piano bar feel to it. There's a lot of uh, uh, Shaver's bi- biographical data in here, <laughs> you know, about uh, Green Ga- the Green Gables bar and uh, that type of thing. His mother worked at a, in a bar called the Green Gables, and he actually was a, uh, you know, he worked there as a kid. Um, and that's represented in this song. And then I love the way it picks up. I love the transition in Honky Tonk Heroes where he goes, you know, hey, hey. And then the guitar starts kicking in. It really is a nice segue. It's also kind of a concept album. You get to see, you get a feeling that all the tracks are really the same guy. You know, it's 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 a little bit less structured than Redheaded Stranger. And there's more earworm material, I think. Um, old five and dimers seem really seems really popular with people, but I didn't care for that too much. Uh, fans of Ralph Mooney's steel pedal guitar probably loved it. I, I'm not going so far as to say I don't like steel pedal guitar, but it's not my you know when it's overdone, it's overdone. I don't I I don't care for it when it's just you know blinding almost in its cadence. But the poetry is incredible in that one. I, I get the appeal, but um, my, here's the gem of the album. I think. Uh, Willie the Wandering Gypsy and Me. Willie, wild as a Texas blue north. Ready roll from the same makings as me. Well, I reckon we're gonna ramble till hell freezes over. Willie, Wandering Gypsy and Me. If that's the one that Shaver played for Willie when he tried to entice him to, you know, to do this album. I can see why he Whaler. did. Who did I say, Willie? Yeah. No, you said Shaver played it for. Yeah, well, him. Shaver played it for oh, Whaler. Okay, never mind. Right, I can see why it, it was. You know that. Um, Six on one. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's a. I mean, this is. The, I think this is the best track for a while. There, I went between this and. Black Rose, I love that one too. But this, to me, this is the best. Um, uh, talk about the. I never knew what a Blue Texas Norther was until this song. So I looked that up, and that makes sense. You know, you got the open sky and the threatening storm front coming in. That's great imagery. You know, um, just 
and that's 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 a that's an image that was afterward used in a lot of country songs the 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 idea of the texas blue northern mm. uh, and this is the first instance this is the first is the the first reference to it i can think of in a song uh there uh, there were several that came out but billy joe is very that the he's the prototypical texan his songs are very texas so this colloquialisms uh find their way into his poetry for sure and that song's just a killer i think but low down freedom i love that uh omaha you know it's it's about him return i was curious since they're both texans why is omaha represented as a home though i didn't really get that like the, the rambler has returned to omaha so that's something i found yeah he's yeah it's funny because he's the, yeah he's billy judge from corsicana texas so yeah so that was interesting. That didn't that didn't torpedo the song or anything, but that got me thinking. You know, there's a little off. But the you know, um, nope. Nobody in CCR had ever seen the Mississippi River when they wrote "Proud Marys." So. Yeah. yeah, right. The only time I've been through Nebraska, I was stunned to see that it's like it's right at, at the water table. So there's always, you know, everything's always flooded. You you drive by and there'd be, you know, tired tracks full of water everywhere and mm-hmm. cars in strip malls with you know four inches of water going up to the wheels and i feel like there were uh mosquitoes and fleas biting every it was uh, not my favorite place yeah. why are there people still living there yeah that's what i wondered uh, and I know that uh, LD mentioned on Rock and Roll Heaven a few times, uh, she, and she continues to complain a little bit about how the songs never end. They just kind of fade out. There's no like... Uh, they fade into oblivion a lot yeah. of times, yes. That, Omaha mm-hmm. is just like that. That's one example, but it's not the only one. You asked me to... Just because you asked me to... Lord, I hope you never do. Let the world call me a fool. Here's, here's some uh, Ralph Moody's steel guitar in this one. The cowboy recounts the only thing that ever impinged on his freedom was his love for a woman. So, you know, it's like he's he's given up some of his freedom um, for love. And, you know, it's like, it's like a, a turning point in his life, I guess. But still, we're talking about the same character from the outset. It's sort of a concept album, just like Red Hood a Stranger. Um, not my favorite track but um ride me down easy i love that one they ride me down easy lord ride me on down leave word in the dust where i lay say i'm easy come easy go and easy to love when i stay Seems like a Gene Autry Prairie song in a, in a way, because I'm easy come and easy to go and easy to love when I stay. I love that line. Good harmonica, perfect touch, um, especially, you know, in the background as he sings about the train. But ain't, go, ain't no God in Mexico. Run a garden, everybody, I politely blew my coon. Ain't no God in Mexico, ain't no comfort in the king. See, uh, you know, the the sense of freedom by going over the border. It talks about something that a lot of Texans, that, you know, back in the 40s and probably even to this day, 
regard about going over to Mexico that, you know, there's no God in Mexico, you know, what you do in Mexico stays in Mexico, essentially, you know, that, you know, that freedom um, that it represents is something that I don't think I really appreciate. When I think of going to Mexico, I think of winding up in a jail that I won't get out of for 50 years or something. You know, if, I, if I don't, if I'm not careful. Yes, whatever. He's such a criminal. You can do it. Have you seen weeds? <laughs> okay. Honey, she was a criminal. <laughs> well, yeah, she was. And of course, Black Rose. The devil made me do it the first time. The second time I've done it on my own. Lord put a handle on a simple-headed man, help me leave that black rose alone. You played that after our visit to Rock and Roll Heaven. And it's you know, it's like it's right there. I really love that song. That's a good uh earworm. The guitar in it's fantastic, as Aaron noted. Uh it's got it's about an African-American woman that uh Shaver Probably, you know, you can extrapolate that he had a relationship like this maybe when he was a kid. Uh, the Lord put a handle on a simple-handed man to help him leave <laughs> the Black Rose alone. I think that kind of speaks for itself. <laughs> it kind of, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, well, I think when it comes to the handle, most when men can be a little simple. Yeah. Oh. Arguably, arguably the best track, um, but maybe the most controversial. I've read a little bit of, of uh, Whalen's biography where he addressed, uh, you know, racism. And, and you know, it, it was interesting. I feel like that he has a level head about, about that. I, I feel like he's coming from a good place, but he acknowledges that he hasn't been perfect in his life. So, Yeah. And he, I think, talks a little. I think he's also, I've seen, an, I saw an interview once. You can look it up. I think it's. Uh, it was some PBS show, but he where he he, he talked about that at, mm -hmm. at, at length too. Um, American and, Masters, you know, I pretty much confessed. I this is that's kind of I grew up around a lot of people like that, unfortunately. Um, uh, although I was, I was said he actually said his father, his father, not not so much, mom, a little more. But Bill and I went to an all, all white high school. That's where that's what we grew up in. Yes. Oh yeah, we certainly did. Yeah, the, um, that neighborhood has a history. Mm, yeah, um, we had it all. This is the one that I feel like probably didn't belong on the album, but it's a nice song. It's a really nice song. It, you know, it's more of a Nashville style song, older country, but it just seems a little out of place. Um, if you ever love somebody, it seems like a song that uh, that uh, might resonate with you. But um, but I I might remove it if that I one's a, that one's not a Billy Joe Shaver. No, no, obviously not. But that's the only song on the record he didn't either yeah. write or co-write. Yeah, mm -hmm. Troy Seals and Donnie Fritz. One one of whom was in Chris was a in Chris Christopherson's uh, Road Band, oh, cool. but probably my least favorite track on the. It, and it's not bad. It's a little a little a little on the croonery side, but it's yeah. just it kind of doesn't fit to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it would have been fine on another, like put it on, put it on the next album. It would have been fine, but exactly. Yeah, if you were just kicking one off of this album, but without it, then he's what twenty five minutes <laughs> record, right? <laughs> right, right. No, so, so this, but then you have a twenty five minute album, so 
It's almost like come on pilgrim, twenty minutes. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, that's my uh, random ramblings. So TJ, let's have your expert opinion. Yeah, bring it home. Your Sunday morning news. Um, well, a couple of uh, a couple of things. I uh, for for starters, uh, I think vocally Waylon sounds terrific on this album. Um, uh, he produced he and his uh, friend at the time. As you'll see, uh, I, you have to put them. You have to add the qualifier at the time. Um, Tom Paul Glazer produced this, and and, and Aaron alluded to this. There, there are a few little, there's a few little quirks production wise, but this is also the first time Waylon had ever had ever, you know, kind of taken the forefront of producing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the one, the the mm-hmm. one little vocal flub, mm-hmm. and there there is the the some of these like the really long fade outs. But you know, again, yeah. it's, it's his his first stab at it, and so he was sort of learning. It, it to me, it doesn't d- detract from my enjoyment of, of the record at all. But just, those are just a couple of things. Um, not long after this, Waylon would primarily start playing lead guitar on, on most of his studio songs. Um, this more rhythm guitar on this one. Um, Billy Joe Shaver is a fantastic songwriter. He wrote nine of the ten. Wrote, wrote or co-wrote. He, I think, he and Waylon co-wrote one of them in, in the studio, actually. And within eight of them yeah. are just Billy Joe compositions. He's a great songwriter. And Phil, you were right. This is close to being a concept album. I would say it's more thema- thematic than it is a concept album. Yeah. Where with the Redheaded Stranger, there's a cohesive story from start to finish. This Continuity. Is, it's very. Yeah. It's more thematic. This is sort of the. The, this is the, uh, the all these seem like songs from the perspective of you know this Texan who's you know been around and loved a lot and drank a lot, been in trouble some and learned some lessons along the way and he's kind of imparting them to you. But it's a good mix of like cowboy songs and some drinking songs and some you know love songs and some sex songs <laughs> and um, I just I, I I I really like all of them. I think my favorite is probably I I just I love the, the title track. Um I love the, the 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 break in the middle and the tempo change. And honky tonk heroes like me. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Um there's almost on a couple of the songs and you y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. Am I almost hearing like a little bit of like almost a disco backbeat kind of? I thought I heard some disco in a couple of them. Did y'all did y'all pick up on that? I did. I not, I can't say I picked up on it, yeah. but now that I, you know, I, yeah, I can I can hear that a little bit. Just a little bit of a like a hint towards disco, like a nod. That's kind of that's kind of that's kind of what I'm picking up a little bit. And you know, there that there were a lot of of rock bands that that kind of borrowed. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of kind of borrowed some of the 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 bass and drum uh ideas from from disco for some songs but yeah. that, it just it's not overpowering or anything it's just a little little it's just a little little smidge of it here and there but um I, I would say the the yeah the title track is probably my favorite uh Willie the wandering gypsy uh has got to be right up there Ain't no God in Mexico. Uh, again, you both y'all kind of alluded to it. It's 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 almost an allusion to the freedom that uh, I, I guess primarily Texans feel when they would 
when they would cross the border and there's mm-hmm. there's wine and women and song and pills and all kind of fun stuff and it's it's, uh, it's it's almost like they can go there guilt-free and it doesn't follow them back um it might they may have to you know get some penicillin or something <laughs> but hopefully it's something they can get rid of yeah. it's kind of the idea of, of freedom i think they feel when they when they uh, cross over there because there's sort of no no rules no laws and nobody's watching i like that and and some a couple of the lines in there you know like if uh if I hadn't been railroaded, well, I guess I'd a been train. a train. And so there's just some cool, really cool terms of phrase in, in that one. Um, I, I, like you, both of you, um, we had it all. And I'll stay with you, girl, as long as I can. Oh, it was so not a bad song but like i said when y'all were on with us it almost reminds me of like don't come around here no more yeah (laughs) on southern accents by tom petty it's like yeah there's nothing wrong with this song it's it's a good song it just it has no place here it doesn't belong (laughs) in what's otherwise a theme album about the south in in that case and in this case this is everything's from the perspective of this of this you know what sort of sort of wise old texan who's been around and except this one and it's just it's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it doesn't it doesn't belong with the rest of them. I wish they'd have just written, you know, Waylon and Billy Joe had written one more song and uh, cut it there, um, and instead of putting there all five and dimers like me. Reason for rhymers, old five and dimers like me. I would say um, all five and dimers like me wonderfully written song as as all of them are it's this this the songs are packed with allusions to texas and i think waylon actually said if you want to know what texas sounds like you talk to billy joe like this is this is the vernacular of texas is what comes out of billy joe's mouth and that you pick that up with you know some of the references to to mexico and the the old blue northerns and um you know right you know gonna you know god and everybody which supposedly he, he may have he may or may not have told Waylon, I'm, I'm going to whip your ass in front of God and everybody. And a lot of the songs are really autobiographical, which Billy Joe did a lot. Because, you know, Phil, you mentioned, he talks about the Green Gables in um, the Honky Tonk Hero song. That is, that's where his mother worked. And that's where he, he the first place he performed, I believe, was for patrons at the Green Gables. And even much later, he had a, a great, fantastic song called Georgia on a Fast Train, where he there's a line, you know, I got a good Christian raising and an eighth grade education. Ain't no need you all treat me this way. Eighth grade's as far as he got in school. So a lot of his, so he's in a lot of his songs. He, he wasn't in the, the practice of, of, of writing fun little ditties. You know, these, these were all the, all of his songs were almost part of him. It's stuff he lived. So, and, and Waylon was a, a great conduit to, to, you know, to, that, that to, for him to kind of work through. And I just, I just, it's, it's neck and neck for me with um dreaming my dreams is my favorite Waylon jennings album it's i'm kind of going back and forth with those two here lately but just just start to well start to uh next to last track anyway it's a it's a pretty cohesive work and i, I just I, I really like it in pretty much every respect yeah so the, the ones that weren't written totally by billy joe shaver there's two co-written ones um you asked me to was co-written with Waylon. 
and Omaha was co-written with with Hillman Hall. Maybe he's from Nebraska. Maybe, maybe there's there's got to be some reason that Omaha was was yeah. used because otherwise, I mean, Billy Joe's a pretty. He's not just a Texan. He's he's very proud to be a Texan. He yeah. liked being from Texas, as most people from Texas do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when when he. He had a heart attack on stage playing a show at Green Hall, Texas. He 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 thanked God because he thought he was going to die for letting him die at tech, the oldest honky tonk in Texas. <laughs> I believe it. Well, that's the thing, right? He survived, thankfully. He, he lived for he lived for about twenty more years after that. But yeah, that that was. Is that the thing with Buddy that Whalen? One of many things that uh, bothered Whalen about Buddy Holly was that. Um, this this event took place in uh, a cornfield in Iowa, right? And I mean, it, and right. here's a Texan who, who, you know, that, that that's, you know, he was remorseful in many ways, and he chronicled that as well. But you know, Whalen, of course, played guitar for Holly on the uh, the tour that uh, summer tour, and one of the, one of the things that, that went into his remorse was the fact that. Uh, you know, he didn't die in Texas. And that, that's, a, that's a thing for yeah. Texans. You know, that is a thing for Texans, you know. Um, yeah. I want to fit my quote I, in here. I don't know if y'all know many Texans. They like being from Texas. They yes. really yes, like they being do. from Texas. Yeah. Might have noticed how that effect. I, I, yeah. I would say my home site might be second on the we, we like to be where we're from list. We're, we're, we're pretty high up there, but I don't, I don't think we top Texas. I wouldn't say we apologize for Ohio, but we don't exactly, you know. We, we ain't like that. We don't we don't wave that flag. We might go to Florida in the winter. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, uh, I wanted to I wanted to fit my quote in here because I promised you quotes, and it's not a great okay. quote. When I do this quote, you're going to be like, "Well, why do you even bother?" But I thought it was kismet again, just like we talked about before. I was listening to the most current version of Club Random with Brad Paisley, and he was on there, and he was talking about modern country music and the difference between George Jones and albums like this very, you know, this album and and um, Willie's. And Bill Maher asked him, "What is it about modern country music where it's just a chorus, basically? It's almost like pop music or whatever." And then Paisley comes back and says, "Well, what is country music exactly?" And then he quoted Whalen. He said. Uh, Somebody asked Wailing Jennings once, what makes country music? He said, when I sing it. <laughs> so I think people do kind of look at I it. I love that. Yeah, when I sing it, that's that, country. That sounds, that's, that sounds very Wailing. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Right, right. That's, yeah. that's why people, you know, those types of things are what created his, uh, you know. What his makes it when I sing it. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, these are two fantastic albums. Like I said, I don't think I've been converted into a Brad Paisley fan. I don't think I'd be that ain't happening to know ninety thousand, you know, uh, seat stadium to see uh, Kenny Chesney or, or whatever. Anybody of that nature. But these guys are the real deal. Although here, we right? might be getting Jason Aldean tickets if I win the contest. We'll give them away. We're giving them to Kenny. We're giving them to TJ. Okay. Or LD and Will. Well, they're coming here, but well, I'll okay. make them. That'll make them come, come here for dinner. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, now we have to clean. 
But do we have a final verdict on these, or do we even care? Is it is it a worthless, worth what you know? Is it worthless uh, worth exercise to even try to say one is better than the other? Or are they just? I like the Willie album a lot better. Okay, it's it's um, as an album, it's just yeah. You know, I'm a concept album guy, and it's a concept album. Okay. Yeah. I I I would I give uh, Wayland with the disco. <laughs> <laughs> I preferred Wayland does disco. <laughs> um, I like to see him in the white. I would I, give a, a. I like to see him in a white three-piece suit. Mm. <laughs> oh sorry, yeah. I, I, well, he would have he would have been right at home in, in the studio fifty-four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'd have found something to do there, right? Yep. Something. Like, someone. So, so y'all got a club where I can do where I can have sex and do code. Huh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can ignore the sure found it. So, TJ, do you care to make any distinction one over the other, or I, I do. You know, um, you know, we 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 started this because you know Chip Flippo said that the Redhead Stranger was the greatest country record ever, and Honky Tonk Heroes was number two. Um, I love the Redhead Stranger, love Willie Nelson. I'm a, I'm a little more a little more of a country fan, I guess, than the rest of y'all, but I. We'll give a slight edge to Waylon on this one and Honky Tonk Heroes. I think partly because the songs stand on their own a little better individually. And like as you said, Phil, they're a little more earwormish. They're a little a little catchier. But I mean, it's you're you're hardly going wrong either way. I I, I love both of them. They're right. both brilliant works, in my opinion. Yeah, I I'm going to have to say Honky Tonk Heroes as well. I, I'm a little more rock and roll. She's a little more country. I'm a little more rock and roll, but <laughs> or a little bit country. I'm a little bit whatever. You Donnie and Marie, that, but without that, the sibling uh, relationship. Huh? <laughs> I just thought that I'm a little more disco. You're a little more rock and roll. I love I'm pop. I love you're, the. You're not. Yeah, I love the I love the authenticity of uh, redheaded stranger. But yeah, I like to rock and roll. I like the the transition. It was it was so different. I mean, it was so dramatically different. Honky Tonk Heroes than uh, things that like Charlie Rich was doing, mm-hmm. or even Charlie Pride, or uh, you know, any of those Charlies. I mean, it is it is completely sure. turned Nashville on its ear. You know, with this album, flip the switch, kind of. There were, I guess, there were a couple of people who maybe were doing things that were a little more distinctive. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe Merle, maybe Buck, um, yeah, that's not Cash, my maybe. But outside that, it was it was a lot of like, it was lots of horns and strings and background singers and crunery stuff coming out of well RCA in particular, and they were they were the they were the dominant label. So it was just you know it, this this was really just yeah. Such a, lot of the, this was this was the kick in the nuts that 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 country music needed. I love Johnny Cash, but he does have a lot of that, uh, you know, overblown horns and croonery going sometimes. Yeah. I still love someone, kind of thing. And I still miss someone. Yeah, you're right, but he's a. A redeemer, because some of the stuff with Rick Rubin was just fucking wow. unbelievable. You know? And I, I get the honor of uh, doing a series on him at some point. So, Aww. right. 
All right. Well, I'll be looking forward he's, to that one. He is podcast eligible. I was going to say not to, uh, 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 yeah, would, would love for you to listen and maybe even join us here. And, uh, I'm not doing it after I do Wayland. I'm going to need a break. Yeah. Take a break. This has been a, hey, hey, quite a heavy lift, but right. yeah. we're only a third of the way through, right? We, um, let's see, we have, uh, we've, we've got eight in the can. We've, uh, we have, I think we have a slap nut. I don't, it depends on when this airs, but we'll, uh, have a slap nuts and then we'll have part and, Nine, nine and ten are very cocaine heavy, like giant Tony Montana <laughs> sized mountain of blow on a desktop um, <laughs> that we just shove our face in, and then as in buys a count of cocaine. That is the most cartoonishly hilarious, unintentionally hilarious movie ever. Um, yeah, but after that, we start moving the ball a little bit further each time in terms of timeline because right now we're we're not we're not doing that much. But mm. this is there's a you know there was there was some fairly significant stuff that that, that Wayland had going on in the mid seventies. So it, it, it bears uh, fleshing out, but yeah, I'm really, how many, how many parts is it going to be at the end? Do you think part eight of 20 part eight of 30? That's the other funny thing. I'm normally done writing. I normally, I normally, the way I, I work, I'm most, I'm pretty much done writing it when we start to record episode one. And I'm I, I, that wasn't the case in this one, so I, I'm I'm still writing. I have no idea how long it's going to take. Well, the record's Michael Jackson, right? Was that 27 parts? That was uh, something like that, yeah. Somewhere in 24. I think it was 24, maybe 24. I'm probably not doing. I'm not doing 24. I'll, I'll, I can. I think. I think I could assure. Well, God, we yeah. did Michael Jackson for like eight months. <laughs> Right. I remember yeah. uh, after I was a guest on on your podcast, I walked into the kitchen and my sons um, hiked with me and Will the Thrill every week when when they lived in California. And I, I said, hey, I was just on Will the Thrill's podcast. And first Liam said, you mean that devil went, went down to Georgia? And then Lars said, are they still Michael Jacksoning? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well how long how long was it when we went to california Aaron? year and a half year and eight months lisa's almost. birthday two years ago right yeah yeah when we went to california and met ld and will for breakfast ld was preparing to go to neverland like the next day to uh make her journey to neverland you know the the mansion. pilgrimage yeah so that's how mm-hmm. long that you know that series that's how long that series was it just yeah ended <laughs> like i don't know early actually uh, jim croce was going on when i met them yeah yeah oh it was uh the funny thing is is we are the the last season started in january of 2021 with eddie van halen it mm-hmm. ended <laughs> in about april of this year so it took us uh 27 months yeah, well, to do one season. The wow. 27 episodes of 25, however many episodes of Michael Jackson had a it, big. Yeah. Yeah, I was, in our defense, in mine and Will's defense, especially. Yeah. So I got, I think we've, uh, you know, I'm doing Wayland now. And then um, I think, uh, I think Dwayne Allman yeah. is next. I think I'm, I might be recruited for uh, the Fillmore album for that. And that's awesome. And then uh, I think LD is doing Graham Parsons for her next one. Oh, very cool. Yeah. 
All right. And then I, I'll, I'm coming back with I think the the ones the ones I picked for this season were you know Waylon. Uh, we're doing we're doing what we call redemption picks where we kind of redo uh, series that were done back when we could only do like one episode and, people, uh-huh. and had severe time limits and couldn't play many songs. So I'm doing cash for that. I'm doing Sid and Nancy, Phil, Lennett, mm-hmm. and Michael Hutchins. So I think are the ones I'm tackling this this season. All nice. right. Nice. Yeah. And the Nancy, season I mean, is defined by just when you finish the your assignments, I guess. Huh? I, I find it highly fascinating that you are both the go-to for Sid and Nancy and Johnny Cash. I like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty wide swath. That's that's a. <laughs> yeah. I'm, doing, a I'm doing. I'm doing Wyland and Michael Hutchins and Sid and Nancy. That that's that's pretty much touching all the bases there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Touching many bases. Yeah, I I walked in the kitchen again earlier, and Lars was in there listening to uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, the album Murder Ballads. And I said, well, I'm listening to Redheaded Stranger, and that's just one long murder ballad. That's just one long murder ballad. Uh, yeah, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I've been wanting to li- listen to that particular album. We got to do that one. Yeah. But. Um, he's referred to here as the worst seed. Hmm. That's okay. The, the baddest of all the seeds. Well, the, the podcast is Rock and Roll Heaven. TJ, do you want to take a crack? CBS this morning or C- CBS Sunday morning. Giving us your socials. Okay, let's see. Um, I know that I don't say the website and we've lost the password to our Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I don't, don't do TikTok or Instagram. Uh, Rock and Roll Heaven pod on Facebook. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's about the best I can offer. It's a good community. I think pretty much if you just Google Rock and Roll Heaven podcast, you could... Believe me, Philip can direct you. Well, it'll be in the show, the show notes. But mm-hmm. as always, we had a fantastic time here. Uh, mm-hmm. We love you guys. Yeah, had a good time. Favorite podcast out there. Thanks for hanging with us. Fantastic. Oh, thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on.